This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Christian Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tervish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. The purpose of my show is to explore how work will change in times of globalization and digitization. Now, when I learned to drive a car some 30 years ago in Germany, uh, I, like all Germans, was trained on public roads in a very special type of vehicle. The vehicle had two sets of paddles, allowing my driving instructor to help me out whenever help was needed. Now, developing any new skills, be it driving a car, flying a plane, shooting a penalty kick, or performing open-heart surgery, requires first to practice that skill in a safe environment. Pilots learn in a flight simulator, soccer players practice on the training pitch, and doctors work on animals and cadavers before they're working on real patients. Managing the spirit of skill acquisition for the new craft is critical. And as anything we discuss in my show, it is going through some significant changes due to new technology. Virtual reality lets you experience the real, or at least close to real, conditions of your work while you are still in training. But how does it work? And what are the leading solutions for improving training through VR? To answer these questions, uh, I will be talking to two wonderful guests today. In the first of the half of the show, I will be speaking to Derek Belch, the CEO and founder of Striver. And in the second half of the show, I will talk to the team running the Learning Innovation Center here at Penn Medicine Simulation Group. Uh, Welcome, Derek. Hey, Christian. How are you? Hey, Derek. You helped uh, to build your company really while being still at Stanford as a graduate assistant coach. Uh, how can VR help you with sports coaching? So one of the unique things uh, about Striver that I'm very proud of is we came at this from a little different angle than a lot of technology. Um, a lot of technology, especially in the VR space today, uh, they come up with a solution and then they go look for a bunch of problems. And uh, when I was coaching at Stanford, during 2013 and 2014, we actually started with the problem of there's never enough time to get enough repetitions on the field. Um, NFL and college football teams are quite literally on a stopwatch, and they are not allowed to go over a certain amount of practice time over the course of a day and a week you know, throughout the season. So physical reps and mental reps that go with those physical reps come at a premium. Uh, and it's really hard for a quarterback, a linebacker, a safety, et cetera, to get enough reps over the course of the week to truly feel comfortable on game day. Uh, and when I was coaching at Stanford and also getting my master's, uh, which was you know in, in virtual reality, uh, we thought, hey, is, is this a problem that virtual reality can solve where we can give you more mental reps when you're off the field? Uh, your brain will have the headset on and your, your, your head, you have, you'll have the headset on and your brain will think you're on the field uh, even though you're, you're standing in, a, in an office or you're standing in the locker room, right? And, and by that way, we can be getting mental reps off the field and you eliminate the wear and tear on your body and you can get those reps again and again and again until you feel comfortable. So uh, th- that's how we started. Um, and, and that was an academic project for a while. <laughs> and then, you know, the first year and a half, um, Striver was exclusively focused on sports. And obviously we, we've evolved quite a bit since, which which I'm sure we're going to get into here in a minute. That's an amazing story. So the NCAA doesn't count the virtual reps as training time? No, no. It, it's um, Now, well, it, this is kind of a yes and no answer. Um, you know, yes in the sense that, that there are rules 
in place relative to how often players uh, and coaches are allowed to spend time together, whether that's on the field, off the field, et cetera. So if a player and a coach were doing, you know, five-hour virtual reality sessions every day, um, we would have a problem, right? <laughs> but the reality is, is, is a lot of players do watch film on their own time um, or when they're watching film, when they're drawing plays on the whiteboard, et cetera, with the coach during their allotted time together, um, this can be a tool that can supplement and enhance that training and that learning, uh, which can be more effective than, than watching film. And then when the players are doing certain things on their own, um, you know, historically they would be watching film on their own. Now can they also be, be uh, experiencing plays through virtual reality? So this is not an issue with the NCAA. Uh, they, they are well aware of what we're doing. They're actually in support of it because it can help promote uh, more reps without physical wear and tear on your body. So they're actually highly in favor of what we're doing. So before we go to the businesses, the sports part is just already so fascinating. I can see as somebody who has a background in computer science initially in my life, uh, the input to the athlete comes through the goggles. It comes to what you call the film. I am kind of immersed myself in a, in a decision-making situation on the football field. What is the output of the athlete? Is it just the experience? Is it a, a tactical decision where to throw a pass? Is there actually a body movement in, involved? What is the simulation yeah, beyond just immersing myself into the context? Great question. So what Striver does is not a video game. I think that's very important. Um, there are video game-like simulations out there for Uh, lots of different sports, um, but, but they're video games. They're not real. Uh, they're not simulating true human movement at, at the human gait as humans actually move. They don't have the actual speed of the game, the sounds associated with a call on the field. So when players use our product, uh, it is 360 video-based training and simulation. So you're not running around the field. You're not throwing a ball. Um, you're just getting mental reps associated with the decision-making of reading a defense of, okay, he did this, therefore I would do this. Let me, let me watch that again. Listen to the call in the huddle. Get the emotional preparedness necessary to know what it's going to be like when you hear that play call, you break the huddle, all right, I see this, I see this, I see this, therefore I would, I would throw the ball here, right? So what we're doing is we're speeding up that learning curve and we're, and we're making the reaction time come down significantly as a result of better decision-making, uh, which is the perfect segue into what we're doing in the business world as well. So I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, so let's talk about business. So in, in some sense, the segue seems to be so easy. I mean, immersing ourselves in decision-making situation, be it walking on a construction site, be it uh, talking with a customer in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a retail setting, The segue is pretty pretty easy. How, 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 did you, how did you make the transition for yourself? So it, it fairly well documented at this point about our relationship with Walmart. And uh, this got started for us on the, on the business side about two years ago when I, I got a fairly, uh, what I call a fortuitous phone call from somebody at Walmart who works in store operations, uh, Brock McKeel, a little bit of a visionary in his own right. And uh, he was an Arkansas, he's an Arkansas football fan and, He had seen what we were doing for quarterback training at Arkansas for the team. And he said, could you come down and show me what, uh, what you guys could do for us, for employees? So I went down there with, with, with very low expectations. Um, knowing, I, I did know that this could be a very good use case outside of sports. Um, VR has been around for a long time. You alluded to it when you kicked off the, the segment here with training doctors, pilots, you know, soldiers, et cetera. 
so the, the idea of simulation-based learning is not new. Um, but when I went down to Walmart and for the first time and, and started asking them questions about what their pain points were with training, uh, not to my surprise, but also a little bit to my surprise, um, it was almost identical to the problems that quarterbacks face. Not enough time, uh, not enough ways to get a, a experiential first-person repetition of what we would actually see in on the floor, right? Um, simulating rare events, simulating dangerous events, uh, just a lot of stuff that was almost identical to football. And the only difference was what was actually showing up in the headset. But, you know, the way that, that we approached the training when we started with Walmart was very similar to what, what we had been doing with quarterbacks for almost two years. And it, it was just the perfect transition. It, it was fairly seamless, to be honest. Now, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot that has changed and evolved since in the last, in the last two years, but um, it, it was kind of a no-brainer right out of the gate. Now, you mentioned that the collaboration with Walmart started with Walmart calling you out of, out of the blue. If you had done a business plan and rational thinking as opposed to waiting for a really good luck or fortune to play out, would you have started with that use case or would you have gone for like a higher stake decision like a defense attorney or, I mean, somebody making like $2,000 an hour for some very kind of high-touch work? I mean, uh, store operations sure. are much more an issue of scale and reaching the many versus closer to the quarterback decision seems to me like somebody like either again a doctor or an attorney. Where would you have started uh, when you kind of got into the business side? So that, that's a great question. Um, there are a lot of companies out there trying to create simulations that you just mentioned, some of those more high-end, uh, higher-knowledge worker-type simulations. And, and I think that is the, the heuristic Uh, that a lot of people turn to is, well, what about this? What about this? All those things that you mentioned. And honestly, yeah, if I had written a business plan, uh, I probably would have started there. Uh, the reality is, is one of Shriver's tenants as we continue to grow our business is the latter. It, it is not these high-end simulations. It is scaling these basic simulations to lots and lots of employees across the enterprise. And, You know, about a month ago, we announced uh, with Walmart that we're going to be scaling Striver to all 4,700 of their stores in the United States. Uh, I mean, that, that, that is how you build a real business, that type of scale. Um, the impact we can have on over a million employees for Walmart, uh, you know, candidly, is it, a, lot, a lot cooler than the impact we can have on a lawyer arguing something in a courtroom uh, and, and, and thinking about, where this can go beyond Walmart and, and their scale. And all right, what are we doing for JetBlue? What are we doing for Verizon? What are we doing for BMW? What are we doing for, you know, insert massive company here? Um, it's super exciting. And, and to be able to bring VR to the masses, it, that, that is the mission of the company. And it's also tremendously high impact on those, on those businesses. Um, and then the other thing that I'll add to that, you know, Honestly, the technology is not really there yet today for some of the things you mentioned, Christian, uh, the negotiations, the debates. Uh, some of those things are, are a little hokey right now. Um, there, there's some very crude versions of it out there, but it's going to take some time before artificial intelligence is where it needs to be, before the graphics and the tracking um, are, are where they need to be to where those are going to be really solid virtual experiences. And right now, a lot of what we're doing on the operations, projects, safety, 
side um, is, is pretty spot on relative to where the technology is today. So uh, we, we, we've put our chips all in in that area, and, and so far so good. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Christian Terich, and I have the pleasure of checking with Derek Belch. You know, Derek is the CEO and founder of Striver, which is a company, as we're discussing, talking about exciting virtual reality solutions for training. We're talking about the work that Striver is doing with Walmart right now. And so I'm just uh, trying to remember the days I had the pleasure of speaking at Walmart in Benton, Malacca, and myself a couple of years ago. And it's kind of a your video footage on your website. It's a very interesting experience. So what is the use case that you're training a store associate for? I mean, you mentioned the scale of Walmart's operation, a million employees around the globe, thousands of retail stores. So beforehand, you coached a quarterback to throw that magic pass. You're now coaching a store employee to do what? So the Walmart relationship started um, largely training store managers on the many things that would come up over the course of a day, you know, a week, a month, a year in a Walmart store. Um, operations, process, procedures associated with how the store functions daily. Um, you know, rare instances that happen once a year uh a couple times in a career, you know, Black Friday happens once a year, very, very high, high impact, high leverage for Walmart. Um, certain things with safety, uh, you know, a customer trips and falls, uh, has a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, just a lot of different things that, that at their scale, they, they do see often. Um, but for a, a store manager may only happen, you know, once, once or in, in their career, but they want to be better prepared for it. So that's how we started uh, thinking about, you know, how, how can we make managers um, better prepared across a lot of different scenarios they would see with operations, process, procedures, customer service, et cetera. And as we've grown with them over time, you know, it's been really fun to see how much they want to push the envelope and to really see how innovative Walmart is. And now at this point, we're looking at a lot of the different things that they do in their stores where they, they, they launch new initiatives. And, you know, historically they have to send trainers around to all of these 4,700 4, stores to train people on how to do new initiatives. Well, can VR be just as effective as that? And we actually can save time and money and save those, those trainers time for more high impact trainings on, on other things, right? So how do we use VR to launch new initiatives in stores and train people very quickly? And then where, where we ultimately want to get is, you know, how do we start to build empathy for customers, um, uh, for cashiers and, and other store associates to really understand what the customer is going through uh, and how that can how that can better impact the shopping experience. So uh, we've done a lot a lot of different things with Walmart. You know, super super exciting about what lays ahead, and you know they've been tremendously innovative as a partner for us, uh, and vice versa in in bringing this to the masses. Now uh, you talked about scaling this up. You talked about the efficiency of the training operations. I'm just wondering, like on the student engagement, right? You're, you're going to get trained to safety class, and there's Christian from Warden giving you a lecture with 25 PowerPoint slides, and then there's Derek coming with his cool VR stuff. I mean, this just must also, from the learner's perspective, just be like a, a totally different form of acquiring a skill. Yeah, the the research supports the fact that this is learning on steroids. Um, you know, learning by doing is not something new. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a quote from Confucius, I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand, right? So learning by doing is a thing. It's been around for a long time. Um, 
there are a lot of jobs where, where learning by doing is very difficult and, and getting people those repetitions is, is really hard. Um, it's time consuming. It's expensive. It's not always uh, conducive to the business. You know, do you, you want to stop an assembly line to teach somebody how to do something when every minute that that assembly line is stopped could mean that you're losing $10 million in, in car production, right? So there's just a lot where, where learning by doing is super valuable, but it's really hard to do it. And, and VR is a perfect fit there. And yeah, as it relates to Christian, what you said, the, the rather antiquated uh, ways of learning, which is lectures, PowerPoints, watching videos, um, you know, that's, that's very passive. Uh, that is not how, especially the, the modern day millennial learner uh, learns. And, and VR can provide a more authentic, more engaging experience. And the research supports that it can be, you know, infinitely more effective as a result. So you mentioned the research. Uh, I'm sure somebody at the Graduate School of Education at Penn has figured this out. But I would imagine there must have been formal A-B kind of research designs where you kind of give a control group the old training. You have a, a, a treatment group that gets the VR-based training and you, you compare productivity at the end. Have you been involved in studies like this? Or can, can you tell us a little bit about the research that goes behind the pedagogical element of the technology, not just the technology itself? Yeah, so, so th this, is the, this is the stuff that goes back to my time at Stanford. Um, ac when this was an academic project, we actually did some, some A-B testing with the quarterbacks at Stanford to see how effective this was. Um, so, uh, you know, going back to the roots of the company, academic research and does this actually work has always been at uh, the cornerstone of what we've done. Uh, and as we've worked with more and more companies that have been interested in, all right, am I going to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe, maybe millions of dollars at scale for this, um, I need to know if this actually works, right? So, you know, obviously we haven't done um, the most formal of academic studies with respect to IRB approval or whatnot with some of these companies, but we, we've done a lot of testing and, and we've looked at uh, the difference between people that go through VR and people that don't and how they retain information and how they perform on the job. And, you know, so far the results are very, very positive, which is, uh, which is, why a lot of companies are continuing to move forward. So I'm intrigued how the technology is embedded in a bigger learning process, if you will, right? So I mean, if, you, if I think about learning any skill, including management skills, the experience or the, the kind of the imagination, the abstraction of a million management decision is just part of some form of a feedback loop, right? Where I try out an action, I get feedback from someone. So beyond just simulating the environment, there needs to be a form of very domain-specific coaching of what is right or what is wrong, uh, some, some, some guidelines, some, some decision processes. Uh, how do you integrate with that kind of the domain-specific knowledge? You're, you're, in quote-unquote, just providing the technology or are you providing the entire learning process? So at Striver, we are a full-service full solution. Uh, so right now, you know, in the early days of, of VR, as we are building the market for this uh, and trying to make sure that anybody who's who's trying VR or anybody who's doing it at, at some sort of scale uh, is successful. We want to make sure they're successful in the early days. Um, we are doing the whole thing. So we don't make hardware, right? We use Oculus, HTC, you know, Samsung, et cetera. But uh, we will actually procure the hardware for them. We will test it. We will make sure that it works. We will make sure that our software is loaded on the right way, make sure that it works within the, the security requirements that an organization has. So we actually do do the hardware, you know, to us.
the content development, which is kind of what you, know, what you alluded to, establishing learning objectives with the organization. Okay, where, where do you have gaps? Where would this actually fit into your existing learning routine? Um, would it be five minutes a day for a week during onboarding? Would it be once a month? Would it be, you know, a one-shot deal when they, when they first start? So we look at a, a wide range of how this would actually integrate into the routine of the customer. Um, and then we, our, our content development team, which has instructional designers, PhDs in cognitive neuros- neuroscience, um, learning theory experts, we actually sit down and we de- develop this virtual curriculum with them, and then we do all of that production for them to make sure that this is done right, at least out of the gate. And I can talk about how that can evolve over time. And then the third element to this is what you alluded to, Christian, which is the, is the software, is the technology that powers the whole thing. So not only powering the playback of virtual uh, learning content, but also all of the data collection, all of the insights we can gather from what you're getting right, what you're getting long, wrong, where you're looking, where you're not looking, um, all of the all of these security requirements that these large organizations have and the software, uh, making sure that, that we're up to snuff there, the content management, the device management, this is all the things that, that the software does. So this is really an end-to-end solution right now. Uh, you know, full disclosure, this is a business show. So, so let's, let's talk business. I don't know if, if that is the best decision over the next five years to be doing end-to-end and doing everything. Um, there's, a, there's a very services-heavy component to what we do. Um, but that said, we are leading this space right now and we're really building the market and we have to make sure that this is done correctly. So by controlling this whole experience for a customer end to end, we can make sure that they're successful. And then I think over time, we will start to, to outsource some of these things, shed some of these things as, as hardware is more evolved, legit third party logistics comes online, the tools get better so companies can make their own content and our software is powering the whole thing, right? So that's really where we see this thing going. But for right now, we're an end-to-end solution, and, and our customers are very appreciative because they don't want to piece together six different vendors to pull this off. So since this is a business show, as you kindly pointed out, uh, let me ask you like a strategy question here. So I'm just comparing, sure. or in, in my mind, I'm imagining uh, two forms of training here. Both of them are kind of not the old PowerPoint style, but one of them is immersive in the sense of I have the Oculus glasses on, I feel like really being in the store, versus the other one, I just show a video footage from the store in front of the audience. How much extra kick do you get from that VR perspective as opposed to being multimedia in a two-dimensional space? So the, the research varies, you know, from... 17% more effective to 80% more effective. It kind of depends what, what study you read. Um, but the bottom line is, is going through a virtual simulation is more engaging for the end user and thus more effective than passively watching something on a screen. Um, th- th- that is the bottom line. You know, one of the really cool data points that we have seen come out of our work has been uh, with one auto manufacturer we were actually comparing how their associates did on their exams before they, when they come out of onboarding and before they go, you know, onto the factory floor, how do they do on their multiple choice, true, false, you know, et cetera, exams that show if they know what to do when they get onto the job. And on average after training, you know, they do, they get nine out of 10 right on their, on their exams, which is, which is great. So, you know, quote, they know what to do. Um, when before they go onto the factory floor. 
Well, then we put them through a virtual simulation on those exact same concepts on this particular you know, exit exam that we looked at. And on average, they get five out of 10 on the virtual simulation. So a major disconnect between you know, knowing what to do, I'm, I'm holding up air quotes right now as I'm talking to you, right? Knowing what to do on paper and here, go through this simulation that is largely going to be treated the same way by your brain as, as the decisions you will make when you're in the real world, standing on the assembly line that first day on the job. And they're getting half correct, right? So a major disconnect between knowing what to do and the decisions you're probably actually going to make when you start your job. So to us, that's a, that's a super eye-opening moment for our customers. And they say, oh my God, you're right. If we can be training people through these simulations and we can get that five out of 10 up to nine out of 10 in a virtual simulation, then I'm confident that they're actually going to be doing things right when they start their job versus, you know, what you've alluded to is the antiquated way to learn. We, we, we watch our videos, we look at our PowerPoints, we get lectured, we take this test and it says we know what to do. Well, then we go on the floor and we make all these mistakes, right? So, so simulation-based learning and learning by doing through VR can be extremely powerful. And if we can start to push the organization, push our customers to start to complement, supplement, and then maybe replace certain forms of training with simulation-based learning, um, we're, we're really excited to see what this can do as it relates to preparedness for the employee. It, it, it's, it's super interesting. Derek, I would be entirely self-unaware if I would not make the link here to business school education. And you've spent your years on, on campuses of top universities. If you had the chance to work with any top business school program and you would have like a certain budget of hours and any choice of topic that you wanted, how would you integrate VR into MBA education? Well, I, I'm not going to pick a university. That's not fair. <laughs> Thank I you. Have, I have I have Stanford and and USC you were at Marshall, uh, right? to my yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I won't pick one. Um, that said, so we are actually um, actively talking to a, a top ten business school right now um, about. I can't say who it is, but it's about this very thing, and we are talking to them about soft skills training. Um, you know. Man a, a course about management, organizational behavior, et cetera, and VR being part of the education as it relates to, you know, hiring and firing, uh, difficult conversations with employees, negotiation, and some of the things that, that we learn in a, in a case study or a textbook or a role play with a classmate about negotiation. Now let's do it in a virtual simulation and let, let's allow you to practice and let's see how you do. So we think soft skills could, could be super interesting You know, not only uh, for business schools with, with the emphasis being placed on, on the soft skills these days versus the, the quantitative, but also in, in corporate America at large. So we're, we're super excited about that, and we, we're going to be kicking something off in early 2019, and we'll see how it goes. Very cool, Derek. One last question. So beyond teaching uh, our business students the soft skills of management, uh, give us one thing that kind of five years, ten years from now you, you're working on right now, you're very excited about, and you see that you will have a major impact on the world by the form of training that you provide at uh, Striver. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, Honestly, the, 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 the soft, there's two answers here. The soft skills are very, very interesting to us. Um, th this is going to take some work because we're talking about a, a very different type of worker and a knowledge worker than, than a lot of our, our current customers, which is more task workers and you know, process-oriented on the assembly line, in the factory, on the retail floor. 
Um, but, but we're super excited about where soft skills training could take corporate America as it relates to some of those really important interpersonal dynamics that companies just don't, they say it's important, but they don't have time to train on them. So we're super excited about that. And then, you know, Walmart for us is, is such a big deal, not only to be working with, with Fortune One um, as our first enterprise customer from two years ago to today, but also, I mean, there, there are a million employees that are going to go through this. Uh, this, this training with Walmart, uh, you know, weekly, monthly, annually, right? Um, and to think of where we're going, you know, we have 25 customers in the Fortune 500 right now. So to think where we're going and the fact that in within five years, as you asked, we could, we could very realistically be touching 10 to 20% of the American workforce when, when you add all this up. And to think that people will be better prepared to do their jobs, be making fewer mistakes, saving companies time and money, not churning out as fast, if at all. Um, super, super exciting as it relates to the impact we can have on, on American business. And it's been cool to see the, the evolution of Striver go from kind of fun sports company to, to very pro-social as it relates to all the things I just said and, and really helping the productivity of, of the American workforce. So it's Derek Bell. Well, answer. Well, that was a long, but a wonderful answer for a great discussion. Thank you so much, Derek Belch, the CEO and founder of Striver Labs. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.